Hello, and welcome to another DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from SmartBitchesTrashyBooks.com. And normally with me is Jane Litt, but today we're doing something a little different. I am interviewing author Carly Phillips about her decision to self-publish her latest book. We talk about why she made that move, what her readers had to say about it, and we also talk about what she's reading and what's coming up for her in the spring. The music that you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater, and I'll have information at the end of the podcast about who this is and how you can get your hands on it, because music is awesome, right? And this podcast is brought to you by Intermix, publisher of Unexpectedly Yours, a stunning new romance by Jeannie Moon, now available. And now, on with the podcast. So please introduce yourself and tell us about your upcoming book. I'm Carly Phillips, and I've been writing for 20 years. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of the Serendipity series, which is what most people know me for currently. And I've recently made the move to self-publishing. So my new book is Dare to Love, and um, it comes out on Monday, November 18th. Did you decide that you wanted to self-publish? That was not an easy decision. but no, I, I can imagine not. No. It was something that's been in my mind for a while. There was a, I love my publishers. I mean, I really do want to say that up front. Um, you know, Berkeley's been very good to me, and, and in the past, Harlequin was good to me. And But recently, I found frustration with reaching a broader audience, and I really thought the $7.99 price point was a sticking issue. It was very frustrating for my readers. They would email me and say, why are your Kindle books more money than your mass market books? And, and, and it could be by sense, you know. And if my current readers were frustrated, then I felt I would look at the lists and I looked at the books that I was reading, you know, the Amazon lists and things. And I thought, you know, I can't reach these people. They're, they're, the books they're reading, they're reading for $2.99, $3.99, $4.99. And your prices, you thought, were, were too high to reach those, those readers. I, I thought that I had reached whoever I could reach at seven ninety nine. That that was my that was my feeling, and I really was sort of ready to try something different. And I re I like being in charge of the covers. I had done my backlist. You know, I, I liked having control over some of the things that I had no control over. You know, even though again Berkeley was great. If I wasn't happy, they would tweak. They would move things around. But it still was never the same as sort of picking things out yourself. Mm-hmm. I think I was just ready. And after 20 years of writing and publishing, you must have learned a great deal how to do the the picking of the cover that you liked best. And you had some information about which covers worked based on previous sales. So you had a lot of information at your disposal. So you have a lot more knowledge going into this. I do. I, I don't know that I know everything. And I, I certainly... I'm certainly aware of the market and I'm watching what everybody's doing, publishers and readers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been an, it's been an interesting process for me, but I, I I again I think it's something that I can do, and I, I have a really really positive feeling about it, or I would never have made this kind of transition because it's scary. It is very scary, and you are one of a few uh, big names in publishing, especially in romance publishing, that has said, "All right, I want to do this myself," and it's a lot of work to take on. But like you said, if your first inclination was to look at the price that your publisher was setting, and say, "This is not working for my readers anymore," you you have the ability to do that because you have good name recognition. I do. I'm lucky. 
I mean, I I do. I'm coming at it at a point where, yes, it's a risk, but I do. I'm not starting at ground zero. No. But then again, I mean, you know, I have all I'm a huge reader and I have so much admiration for all of these authors who did start from ground zero and look at them. Yep. You know, I mean, either they're, they're making it on their own and they're doing so well. Or they sold to New York and they're able to experience the difference. And then after that first contract, make an educated decision about what they want to do with their career. Now they've seen both sides. It's fascinating. The whole the whole new publishing world is fascinating to me. Yes, it changes hourly. It's like driving on the <laughs> West Side Highway. Every time you do it, it's a little different. So true. One of the things that I find fascinating about your decision is that I agree with you that $7.99 for an ebook or $8.99 is too much. And I've noticed um, Penguin and Berkeley experimenting with putting new releases on sale for just under $5. Just so, have seen that. Yeah. So the new Nora Roberts went on sale and the print is nine ninety nine, and the digital book was somewhere in the 7 or $8 range. And now it's four seventy nine. And there's another book that they've done that with too. They seem to be experimenting cautiously with price. Where are you going to price your book? I'm curious what you think is the ideal for your readers. What are you trying to do with Dare to Love? And then I want to, I would love to hear more about the book itself if you would introduce it. Sure. Well, the first thing I want to say is this morning I happened to have been playing around on Amazon and I saw that my next serendipity book, the last one, Perfect Together, is $7.99 in mass market and $5.99 on Kindle. So yes, they are experimenting. Um... I had sat down with them many, many times, and we've had many, many conversations. And I know they want to help, but, you know, it's a very big corporation. So they, they said they do what they can do, and I just jumped. So, But as far as pricing goes, I am coming out at the extremely low price of $2.99. For two weeks, we have an iTunes ex- exclu- iBooks iTunes exclusive pre-order, and that's $2.99 right now. And then we're going to hold that price for a couple of weeks post sale everywhere and then make and then I'll make a decision after that. And my reason is because I am my goal in this is to reach new readers. I'm not trying to undercut, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm just trying to get my name out there to people who haven't read me before. And given how popular contemporary romance romance is right now, that makes a lot of sense. I hope so. Um because it, it it is a low price, but I've gotten letters from, you know, emails from people who said, I don't have to order you from the library now. I don't have to wait. You know, I don't have to wait. And that's exciting to me. That must feel very good. It does feel good. One of my questions was how, how your readers have responded to your announcement about self-publishing and how have they reacted to it? Have you heard from other readers beyond those who have said, I don't have to wait to order you from the library. This is awesome. It's exciting. It's also amazing to me because we're so, you know, people like, you know, bloggers and and authors, we're so involved in it day to day that we understand this is self-published. This is um, written by, you know, this is put out by a publisher. Um, I was surprised at how many readers are actually aware of this, you know, indie revolution or whatever you want to, you know, you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, Readers are so savvy and it's great. I think a lot of them are happy they can get the book, period. They're just, you know, they're happy. They're excited. Um, They like the fact that, you know, I've said it's a hotter story. Um, They like that. So it's been overall positive. There's been concern, you know, can I get it in paperback? Yes, you'll be able to get it in paperback. What about audio? 
Um, that'll be eventually because it's not something, it's something that I'm still, um, researching and learning about. It's not, I mean, I could sell it, but I'm also looking into doing it myself, you know, not myself, myself, but through ACX and Amazon. So they're, yeah, readers are excited. What are you enjoying about the self-publishing process now that you're sort of right about to launch a book? What are the parts of it that you've thought, okay, this is really fun? Well, every little part of it from, from starting with the cover and thinking I loved what I had. And then we changed it and I went, Oh, I like this better. And that's not something you can ever, you know, you can ever do with traditional publishing. Right. Once you approve it, you approve it and, and that's it. The announcement, the indie announcement was really exciting to me. I wanted to do it earlier and I was really encouraged on a lot of different levels to sit on it and hold it and, you know, time it so that readers understood the concept, which is I can write the book and I can get it up faster for you. Mm-hmm. And if I had done it two months ago, because um, I decided after um, RWA this past summer, um, if I had done it two months ago, they'd still be waiting, you know, for that what felt like that longer period of time. So um, I thought that was a smart suggestion. I'm just really impulsive. So I need people to sit, sit on me. I understand that totally. But you're I'm very impulsive and you're totally right. There needs to be a, a thing for readers to do after you make the announcement. Like there's sort of a a reason for them to do something beyond saying, oh, now here is knowledge I have. Now they can say, oh, I can pre-order it at $2.99. Woohoo! That's great. Right. Right. And and that's the other thing. There's the frustrating part is that I can't do pre-orders everywhere. Um, I wish I could because I know people get all excited. And I know myself, I read something and I say, I like this author. I want the next book. Boom. And then I don't have to think about the release date because it's, you know, it's going to show up when it shows up on my iPad. But you know, maybe that'll, you know, maybe that'll come. Amazon wasn't quite convinced and that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to have to prove myself again. I always find pre-ordering something that I think of very little. I think of very, very, very little when it's less than $3. If, if it's a book that I think I'm going to want to read, I think of it as buying future Sarah a present. Like, hey, you know, in February, there's going to be a yep. book and you're going to be happy. It's but, I true, don't, but I don't, I don't worry over it. It's three bucks. Go ahead. And that's the, that's the point. I mean, I think you, ju- you just summed up the why. Yep. You know, I just, I think you have to hook people. Hopefully I'll hook them with this book and then we'll, we'll go on from there and we'll see how it goes. So tell me about Dare to Love, which is like the easiest and most difficult question for an author to answer. I know. Tell me all about your book. It is, it's so funny how, <laughs> how difficult that is. It's a really hard question. I know. It should be the easiest question because we sum it up in, in like, you know, two or three paragraphs for the back of the book. And then somebody asks, what's your next book about? And, you know, you're like dead silence. Uh, well, there are some people and they do some things um, and stuff. There you go. And it's a, and then it has a happy ending. Yes, right? and then there's <laughs> a happy ending. You knew that okay. was coming, right? Okay. Um, I wanted to do a series. Well, that was that was the key. I wanted to do a series. Um, I wanted to get out of small town because by the time I wrote the last serendipity book, there had been six serendipity books and three novellas, and every word was drawn from me that was painful because I felt very confined by the town and, and every, that everybody loved and all the people. And I went, I have nothing new. And, and thank God I did find new things, but I don't think I could have done it again. So I didn't want to do small town. So it turns out I have a father who is a, he was like a quote unquote serial dad. He had a legitimate family. And then when the oldest was 18, they found out there was another family. Oh, dear. 
And so we have siblings, half siblings. And the way they found out was because one was one of the half siblings was sick. And so the father said, okay, I need, it was like really lovely. I need bone marrow. So I need to tell everybody and I need to get my kids tested. It was really, it's all backstory. So really there's, I, I felt like every child in this situation would have a different feeling about their family, their, about relationships, about love, commitment. Um, and so I thought that was really, that was really a cool idea. So that's, that's the backstory of it all. Wow. The first story is the oldest sibling in the legitimate family. So that's, that's Ian and he sort of stepped up when his father, you know, and he had idolized his father. So it was a real issue for him. And so he's the caretaker and it's, he's, and I want to say he's dominant alpha in that way that no, it is not BDSM erotic. It's just a hotter Carly Phillips story. Right. Um, and he lays eyes on this woman at, at his, he goes to a party for his, his father, he does his sisters a favor and he goes and he lays eyes on her and that's it for him. And it turns out it's his half brother's closest friend from childhood. Oh boy! And so there's there's the part of the conflict from from the second you open the story. So so there's family, but it's not quite family, and they have to figure out how they're going to be related and how they're going to deal with each other. Plus romance. Plus 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 hot hot steamy romance because he goes at he he's the type that does go after what he wants. So it was fun. It was fun to sort of get step out of the boundaries of, like I said, the small town, which while I was doing it, I, I loved doing it. And then I think every writer reaches a point where they're ready to move on to something fresh. Mm-hmm. And that's what, the, that's what this was for me. I remember this rush when I started writing Serendipity. So it, it, it's a fun thing. Now you said you were moving out of the small town. Where are these books set? Are they set in a couple different places? Well, this one is set is set in Miami, um, like that Miami South Beach area. Mm-hmm. Um, the hero is the president of a of a football team in Miami, and the half brother is actually qu- quarterback of the and Tampa team. Oh boy! So there's a lot a lot of conflict, but the um, so I set it in Miami so I could do city. Yep. Um, some of the one of the siblings, one of the sisters, works with him. And what I'm, I think what I'm able to do from there is I didn't say too much because I, t- I don't like to, I've learned that when I tie myself into something, I get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I could, I went, I'm going to figure out, I'm actually going on a plotting retreat um, next week. And, you know, that's when I'm going to figure out what, where some of the other siblings, what they work, what they do, where they are. So nothing has to be tied to um, any one place. It, and it also is, it's just really hard to have to go to Florida in the winter for 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 plotting i mean that's just that's just really horrible you have to go somewhere warm and there's a beach i mean we're actually sorry (laughs) well actually we're going to san antonio because three of the people i'm with are on the rwa board and they will be there ah i think san antonio you know so we're going out we're meeting up with them after but i don't think san antonio is a hardship either (laughs) (laughs) no it's gonna be warmer than it is here it's gonna be much warmer than the northeast yeah i'm in new york and anything's warmer than here yeah I'm in Jersey. It's cold today. It's snow tomorrow. Not looking forward to it. No. I have to say, and this is, you can delete this if yeah. you decide you want to, it was impossible to book a flight. I can't believe I have to do this again for RWA. You would think out of any three New York airports that you could get an easy one-way flight to, you know, like a nonstop flight to San Antonio? No, you have to connect through like one of three different places. It's ridiculous. I don't understand. I don't understand the choice. So I'm like, okay, I'm not really looking forward to that part, but. At least it's reading time. 
it is definitely reading time. So what are you reading now that you really enjoy? One of the things I love about the romance community is that the authors are, are devoted readers as well. This is a genre that reads itself, if that makes sense. All oh, of the, uh, all of the romance authors I know love to read romance and love to talk about books that they've enjoyed. What are some of the romances that you've read lately that you've thought, oh, this is fantastic? Well, this was a huge, huge reading week. I mean, I read more than I wrote this past week. Woo-hoo! I mean, when you're, when you're, um, I, well, it's my iPad, the Kindle app. When it starts bouncing around, and one day I had the new Cherise Sinclair, which was, you know, that erotics book. Um, Maya Banks had a new book. Katie Evans had the second book out, um, mine. Yeah, I just kind of sat and read all week. I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need to be embarrassed. I think that's an awesome thing. I know. I really have to get back to work. But yeah, I, th- those are the books that I read this week. I have Jill Shalvis to read. Um, I'm, I'm a contemporary reader. Um, I gravitate towards the, the hotter books right now. So that's what I've been reading. Are you enjoying making your books a little spicier, a little bit more erotic and a little bit more tense in the sexual department? It's been fun. It's sort of like been going back to my roots because I started writing Harlequin Temptation and it was when it was the Those are pretty sexy. But it wasn't even Temptation. It was they they had that um it wasn't Blaze at the time. What was it? Was it uh, Silhouette Desire? It was the Blaze line. It was Harlequin Temptation Blaze. Yep. Before it spun off into its own line. So my first book, Brazen, was really hot. And then I did a couple of those and then I went then I did four bla- you know, blazes when they spun when they became their own line and then I sold The Bachelor and then I started doing the longer books. So it was sort of like going back to my to what I started doing. Right. So it, it it's been fun. I, I I enjoy it. Plus it's what I'm reading. So it almost feels like it's what's in my head. Yes. And there's a there's a tone. It one of the things I find really interesting about contemporary romance is that it is an enormous genre in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carly Phillips is different from Debbie Maycomber. Debbie Maycomber is different from Susan Mallory. And Susan Mallory is different from Maya Banks by a long way. So there's a whole <laughs> lot of difference in one genre. So if you say you like contemporary romance, you could be talking about two very different genres right there. It's right. interesting that you read um, the contemporary sort of sexy romances that you are writing. I have met so many authors who say, oh, I never read what I write. I always read outside the genre I write in. What do you love about contemporary? What do you love about writing and reading it? Well, I started that way. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of that was in, is in in for me, and I'm not not saying for anybody else, a lot of of that I can't read what I write is insecurity. Because I would read something that was so good that I was like, oh, I can never do this, you know, and then, and then you like, you know, then you freeze when you're writing. But, um, you know, after, and then after a while, it just became, this is what I like to read. I like to get lost in something that's close enough to reality that I can relate to it, but something that's so far off from reality that you only can dream about it. It's sort of that mix. Mm-hmm. But I do. I like paranormal. Um, you know, there's some, I like shifter stories, so that I, I enjoy those. I mean, oh, it's not, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a good shift, hot shifter book that those are like the best. Oh, I love those. I especially love the shifter books that, that examine the family dynamic of mm-hmm. the animal side of all of these people. 
whether they have a pack or they have a, a crew or they have a whole posse of, I don't know, where possums, whatever it is. I love when they explore the family dynamic of the the animal side and the human side. Oh, I love shifter stories. I'm yeah, right there with it's you. Awesome. And people say, you know, do you ever want to write outside the contemporary genre? And I always say no, because there's so many people. I don't think that way. And there's so many people who do it so well. Yep. I'd rather leave it to them and just read it and enjoy it. Totally understand. What's next for you after Dare to Love? What's next for you with your self-publishing? I'm writing um, the second book, which is Dare to Desire. Mm-hmm. I have in between that being released, which will be spring, um, I do have two Berkeley books out um, that I want to give, you know, my all to as far as, you know, the pushing and promotion and things like that. Um, of course. They're, yeah, they're reissuing. Um, I did that Hot Summer Nights anthology with J.C. Burton this summer, and they're releasing each of our um, e-book, you know, the individual books as e-books. So mine's in January. And that's Perfect Stranger, and then Perfect Together is the last one in February. So I want to give that some time, and then I'm going to jump in, into the self-publishing, which will be Dare to Desire, and then I'll go from there. I'll figure out a schedule that works for my writing and um, for and for readers. Um, somebody, you know, somebody that I'm working with said to me, you know, don't spoil the reader with constant, constant books because you're gonna like you write your you like you're gonna fry your brain. Yep. And then, you, then the, you know, you're going to need to spread it out, and then they're going to really expect more closer together. <laughs> yes. We did an interview with Kristen Ashley that earlier too. this year. Yes. And she was like, you know, I had all these books, and so <laughs> I'd put them up like once a month. And so all the readers were like, okay, where's the next one? And she's like, those – I don't like actually write those in a month. I had them done. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what the comparison was made to me. She, the, you know, the person said to me, "Don't, don't be, don't do what Kristen did because you will never be able to keep up with yourself." And the truth is, I think when you start writing a new series, when you start publishing something different, and you get a lot of good reaction and you're excited, the writing comes faster. And nope. then, like everything else in life, you're going to fall into a routine. And things are going to slow down. The rush is going to, you know, die down a little bit inside you. Yep. And you have to you have to account for that. I mean, I've I've been in this too long not to know the know the cycle. Yep. Do you have of your book, and you have written a lot of books. Do you have of your books a favorite character or a favorite one of your novels where you look and go, "Oh, I'm just so proud of that one"? Or or do you sort of love each one of them individually? I definitely well, I definitely love each one individually because there's times when I'm writing most of them that I reach an "I hate you" point. Yes, yes, I have heard of this. <laughs> and then when you get the final draft and you sit down with it and it's all put together nicely and you read it and you say, you have that, oh, I did this moment. And that's okay. always nice because it means you tied it all together and you accomplished something, you know, no matter what anybody else thinks, you accomplished something. Yes. And there are definitely stories that either have meant more to me, like in the Hot Zone books, um, the macular degeneration storyline. My grandmother had it, so that was a little personal. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I made light, the character was like whack, you know, funny. Yep. So that meant something to me. I'd always wanted to write sports heroes because um, I was such a Susan Elizabeth Phillips fan. And I'd always been told, you know, for category, you can't do that. You can't do that. They don't buy sports heroes. So as soon as I was, I said, pitch that, and they said yes, there was a you know, huge rush from that series. Um, you know, the bachelor was special for obvious reasons. Right. 
what I still can't get over, and I have to say, is that people will still go back to that series and say, that's my favorite series of yours. And I look back and I think it was so, it was my first full length, you know, bigger books. I know that I was getting my feet wet and learning what I was doing in the bigger books. Why? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, of all, of all the various series, you know, like why why that one? And I still, you know, it's funny that I've yet to like nail that down. Yep. But, um, yeah, they all, they all have a special place at any given time. That's excellent. Is there anything you want to tell the listeners before we, uh, before we go, before we, uh, sign off? Um, I guess I just like to tell them to tell everybody that I'm really excited about this, this new, um, leap that I'm making to self-publishing. And I really hope that people that haven't read me before will get, will give it a try because I'm excited about it. And I hope that translates onto the page. I mean, I'm doing it because readers I know are looking for something that are, you know, priced better and, I'm hoping I can give that to them and they enjoy it, obviously. And that's all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Future podcasts will feature me and Jane talking about romance novels, and I bet you're completely shocked to hear that, right? Of course you are. The music that you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is Deviations Project. This track is called Celtic Rock, and you can find it online at iTunes, at their websites, and various other places online, which I will link to in the entry that accompanies the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Intermix, who would like you to know about Unexpectedly Yours by Jeannie Moon. Geotechnical engineer Caroline doesn't need a lot of men. So when she gets the chance to hone her dating skills on Millionaire Josh, she takes it. Now, will their friends with benefits situation play out according to plan? You can read Unexpectedly Yours, available wherever ebooks are sold. If you like our podcast, or you think we're wrong, or you want to ask us questions, or you have ideas or suggestions, or you just want to send an email because you haven't sent enough email messages today, and I totally understand how that feels, you can contact us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com because we love email. You can also call our Google Voice number at 1-201-371-DBSA. Please don't forget to give us a name and where you're calling from so we can include your message into an upcoming podcast. And you can also subscribe to our feed in various locations. I think it's awesome that so many people come up to me and tell me how much they love the podcast. But what's weird is we have no stats. Like iTunes doesn't tell us anything, which I find hilarious. But yeah, we have no idea. So if you're listening, thank you for listening. We have no idea how many of you there are. I'm assuming there's at least 10. And I am grateful for each and every one of you who listens to this podcast. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, how much turkey you're planning to eat, Jane and I wish you the very best of reading.